Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to Mind Heist episode 56. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. I, I mean, that was a guess, but I think it oh. is. 56 or 57. How's it going, bro? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Not bad. How are you? I'm good, man. Um, I have a. I think we're gonna we're gonna answer some questions in this episode. But first, I have my own question for you. Okay. So I was talking uh, about this with my wife, and I was thinking um, it's a good question, actually. You know, a few episodes back, I was reading from the Quran, yeah, and I was saying I was skipping through the ayah to get to the point I was trying to get to, and I was like, etc., 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 or I said, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, remember? And and my wife's like, Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, that's true, it wasn't good. Yeah. But then I got to this whole question of should something like that, yeah. It I agree it's not good. And even the way I said I probably shouldn't be saying that, it sounded very like nonchalant. Even though I I did in the moment I was like, Yeah, that's not good. And I admit it's not good. Um but the question is do you think something like that should be edited out, right? So any negative thing that we do and we know it's bad, we we uh, you know we admit that it's a wrong thing, should we edit that stuff out, or does keeping some of these smaller things in there allow an understanding that we're human and you know we're making mistakes and we're not some kind of crazy, you know, uh, perfect people kind of thing, you know? Mm. What do you think? I think uh, it depends what the the mistake is. I think mm. something like that, we have mm. now not just learned from it, but we've mm. rectified it, and then we've sort of spread that message to the listeners as well. Because I'm sure they then they will learn. Oh, yeah, I should be more careful when I talk about the Quran or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, naturally, after doing 56 episodes, I'm sure they're full of mistakes. Uh, yeah. It's different to. I think the only thing I would ever edit out is if, like, it was something that, I don't know, you promoted something maybe that was actually really bad. And mm. actually the the harm of doing so, mm. it's, it, it outweighs the good. Like, I, yeah. it's, a, it's all about that maslaha nafsida thing. So yeah. if the harm of what you've done or said, or I say you, but any of us <laughs> have done or said, outweighs the good that can come out of it then I think that's when we're like... And I don't think we've ever... I don't think I've ever edited anything out of the podcast. I don't know about you. I yeah. just feel like it's it's just too much effort <laughs> uh, <laughs> to go in and start fiddling about with it. Especially for us, because we record separately anyway, and we have to yeah. sort of put them in together. It mm. is a big, big task. I do know some people that do edit stuff in their podcasts, um, mm. and they'll even say on their podcast, oh, shall we edit that out, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um I don't think we've ever fallen into that. Maybe because we're just a bit more sensible. But it's part of the learning experience. And I think for many people, like if we do a mistake, we've had some times where we've said something and the next episode we're like, oh yeah, we need to rectify that, etc. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and we do open up the floor to people to to say, hey, if we've made a mistake or if there's something you disagree with, then drop us a message. Yeah. Um, and that's how, that's how it keeps the community going. I think, yeah, like that that particular mistake, I think, it's beneficial to sort of, we've addressed it and we've sort of um, identified, mm. you yourself, you've identified, um, you know, how it, it doesn't reflect badly on you in a sense. It doesn't make you 
it's not like you're promoting that sort of behavior you're identifying mm. that it was something that in all honesty is most likely just a habitual thing that comes out of talking about anything as opposed yeah. to specifically the quran isn't it like if you were reading for any book and you wanted to fast forward to a particular part that you were looking for that's the sort of thing we do mm. anyway ultimately after all of my waffling <laughs> i think it's fine mm. okay one thing i was thinking is related to i think it's episode 54 where we're talking about you know people making mistakes and people correcting them in public and stuff like that and we're talking about too many people follow personalities rather than you know the correct things that they're saying yeah. you know and people just follow people you know whether the person makes a mistake or they're right most of the time people are actually following the person and not what they're saying yeah. and so we we end up with this situation where people subconsciously consider all these public figures to be kind of perfect and i thought if you make mistakes in public you know small ones and you correct yourself in public maybe that would be a healthy you know create a healthier relationship with public figures you know mm. so that's what i was thinking like maybe it would be a good thing in that sense um to break down that whole oh he's famous or he's a sheikh so he must be perfect kind of thing mm, definitely um, yeah okay let's let's go with the questions should we start with the email questions or let's, let's bounce you, you do one don't you can start yeah. an email one and then we'll i'll do yeah. the other stuff okay so um we got an email uh episode 54 comments so i think it's a comment maybe rather than email uh, rather than a question Sam alaikum amin and muhammad i hope all's well I've been enjoying your podcasts. I have no questions, but just some comments about episode 54. Um, episode 50 was really good and needed, and, and was needed in this area of social media. The biggest problems, uh, the pre- biggest problem seems to be a lack of tolerance towards mistakes and attaching too much importance to the person rather than the content. Like it has resulted in a cult culture where either you're with us or against us. Whenever someone makes any mistake, it is free license to attack the person and disregard hundreds of the other goods that he might have done. One such example was Sheikh Yasser Qadi and Yatjuj and Matjuj. He has done numerous great lectures and has an extensive Sira series on YouTube and people called for boycott for everything that he's done slash taught. It's a bit extreme to have this mindset as people make mistakes. Even for him, many times he makes clear what his personal views is on matters, what the majority views are, and what other views ulama hold. The ease of social media has also amplified the situation. As far away as Singapore, uh, we here in Singapore know of the fights between groups and sometimes get vested in watching refutations after refutations. Alhamdulillah, I've managed to stop doing that and busied myself with other things. Personally, I started practicing because of the dawah by some YouTube and speakers' corner videos. Then, to see individuals refuting really lowered my iman, at times thinking, why is the culture so toxic? Some groups show respect in debating enemies of Islam, people who are literally attacking Islam left, right and center, but can't even show half the respect towards their Muslim brothers. That really made me think, like, why do they make the culture so toxic with refutations after refutations. In the end, it really is no point getting up, caught up in the small issues like many do. If you follow a ruling, still part of Ahl-Sunnah or Jama'ah, and it's wrong, 
If you put in proper effort and was convinced of it, Allah will show mercy if it's wrong. On your Muqiyama, uh, on your Muqiyama, Allah is going to ask you first of your Salah and then things like Zakah, fasting, Hajj, Salaqah, etc. Allah is probably not going to ask, why didn't you follow Sheikh X or why did you, didn't you refute this group? With the problems in the community, like people not frequenting the masjid and youths being cultural Muslims, we should give them da'wah instead of start, to start practicing rather than being fixated on the minor issues. Many times we watch a two-hour lecture and think that we know more than someone who spent five to six years in Medina University. It's a weird satisfaction we get when we prove someone more knowledgeable wrong. Like proving your teacher in school was wrong in something makes your peers look up to you. The layman should just stay in their lane and not try to actively look, look out for the fault in others. Mm. The end. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, let's just dissect that a little bit. Uh, so, I think that 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 response is a very it's it's a good response, but I think it's not as balanced as it needs to be. Uh, okay. In my opinion, I think I think we're either affected a lot by uh, this this concept of refutations. Um, I think neither the 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 majority I say majority but neither the the most famous refuters that we see in this day and age are aware of the etiquettes nor are the the laymen that mm. get exposed to it are aware of its importance okay you know? that's a good and I think, point and I think I think uh, what what's happening is we're falling into a, an arena where many people are sort of shunning off refutations as a whole yeah um because it, it's uh, it's not just controversial, but it's something that they can't handle and feels like it's damaging to their belief system and damaging to the ummah, right? Mm. Um, and with, in all honesty, if it wasn't for a refutation of any kind, uh-huh. a lot of us would be following the wrong sort of yeah, path. Because right, yeah. how many mistakes have we made when we started practicing and then we realized, oh, actually, I, I shouldn't be believing in that or I shouldn't be listening to this person, etc. You know, and I can think I'm not going to name names, but I can think of people right now in my head that actually, when I look back at what they were preaching, I'm like, oh my god, that's insane. <laughs> and I was listening to that all the time. Um, refutations have their place in the deen, and and it's and if you ask, I know there was an example that he's just given regarding he or she, sorry, just given um, regarding what would Allah ask you about? It, it's possible that Allah would ask you about enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's um, quite a big deal, isn't it? And that's, that is quite a big deal. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, not specifically this sheikh or that sheikh. Yeah, um, but, but in a in a specific, uh, when you have the ability to exactly do something, yeah. and you, you're in the obviously you're in the right place, right kind of qualifications, if you mm-hmm. like, then yeah, you will be asked about mm-hmm. that. And, and just yeah. and just because of that doesn't mean that that means everybody now has the expertise and the right to yeah. start doing yeah. engaging in this. But mm-hmm. it does mean that there are people that are going to be out there that are qualified to do so. That mm. feel the need to do so, mm-hmm. and that and that's because they believe they will be questioned about it because mm. they have the capacity to. Yeah. Um, so, what's important is to find balance. I think, and I'm mm. not speaking. At, you know, I wouldn't want to speak out of my own tongue for this. I believe this is something that a lot of the ulama uh, preach. It's about finding balance. Um, now, if it's somebody that, uh, what I've learned is, you know. I, I used to get involved in these these refutations and stuff when it was people that I didn't even listen to anyway, um, mm-hmm. and it was just like further cementing my belief in them. When actually that was just wasting my time. Um, 
it's kind of it's something similar that Mufti said. I know we always quote him, but he quoted someone else. Like he quoted a president who said, "You know, my friends don't need it. My enemies won't believe it." Um, like the people that listen to uh, such, you know, controversial speaker X, for example, they probably always will, uh, unless they come out with their own sort of uh, belief system. This is generally speaking, and the people that don't listen to him will never. You know the the reputation doesn't necessarily benefit them in the sense that it changes something about them. So, for example, like this this individual is given the example of Yasser Qadi, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't agree with the reputation, then it doesn't shouldn't really bother you that much because people are always going to have people that disagree with them. You know, mm. everyone's refuted by someone, whether that mm. person who's refuting them is either on the Siratul Mustaqim or not. You know, yeah. Um, for example, puts you know, exit out of the Muslim spectrum for a, a second. All of Islam is being refuted by people. Not saying they're correct in doing so, mm. but that's the reality. That's the reality we live in. If yeah. it wasn't for refutations, we wouldn't be as sharp as we are. We wouldn't be as yeah. as as you know. We wouldn't put such heavy importance on on clarifying mm. our sources, on yeah, making exactly. sure everything is you know up to date. Yeah. Then there's then there's the level of refutation where there's character assassinations. That's where you can start thinking, okay, this is a bit personal now. This isn't yeah. necessarily. If I'm and not, I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. a refutation in its, you know, most people, Muslims, unfortunately, the only way they have heard of the word refutation is from this context, right? Mm. But there is such thing as like refuta- refuting an idea, refuting a, a theory, yeah. yeah, refuting a fact, a claim. Yeah. yeah, that is something that is it, throughout all of academia. You know, yeah. in science, in humanities, in history, people they I don't know if if the correct usage of refute is I refuted uh, Abdullah. You know, it's yeah. more like I refuted this uh, claim or this theory. Yeah, as far it, as I know, it's a dirty. It's become a dirty word in the community. It's yeah. definitely become a dirty word where immediately because people aren't used to using that terminology, so people mm. have associated it with a particular type yeah. of behavior i mean if you think about our previous episode when we were talking about voting and stuff essentially mm. we were we were just debating and reviewing each other's arguments mm. you know yeah. and, and in essence and there's a there's an etiquette to it and it should be mm. something that both sides love like mm. i remember being at university and having to um essentially refute people's arguments based on you know research and stuff so you would you would ch- set yourself a task of asking a question you know maybe challenging a theory Mm. And then using your research to gather information and gather evidence to challenge that theory, and that would essentially that document yes. would essentially be a refutation. And yes. that's what the ulama would do. They would, ulama yes. would would compile, you know, um, pieces mm. of reasons work why would, X is yeah, wrong. Yeah. Pieces mm. of work that would essentially refute someone else's idea. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's essentially what it should be. So, mm. you know, I'll be honest. I think the Siyasir Qadi issue that that happened. Um, uh, as an example, because that's the example that was given, I saw I saw a few quote-unquote refutations that were actually quite um quite what's the word sound in the sense that they provided the evidence they found a counter argument mm. and mm. they um and they addressed it, they addressed the disagreement and mm. it was void of any sort of character assassination or mm. or this is what you know this individual is xyz and blah 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 um 
and it was done with love and compassion, and that's how it should be between you know yeah. members of the ummah. And there's yeah. obviously there's going to be people that take that to extremes, just like with anything. But to yeah. to say uh, we have to basically give the term refutation back its its right because it, it has got an important yeah. place in Islam. It's just about having mm. that balance, you know. And I think the, yeah. this individual was mentioned about speaker's corner. Um, speaker's corner is essentially just ref- refutations left, right, and center. Like that's what we do there. Um, yeah, and that can deaden the heart a bit because suddenly your dean only becomes mm. argumentation. And, and this individual said that mm-hmm. they—that's um, what sort of, if I'm correct, that's what sort of turned them into a practicing Muslim, right? Yeah, yeah. they started practicing because of you. Yeah, well, I think yeah. my advice, Wallahu alam, and I something I need to take for myself is that you have to sort of look into yourself and realize what you ready for now. Like, what what stage of your dean are you in now? Because there is a yeah. time where that you know that speaker's corner environment, those sort of videos that is good for you like oh yeah i need to understand about this argument or i have this doubt in my mind how can it be answered you know this is like early stages and everybody's got their own sort of thing that brought them into practicing and then after a while you can't just stay stuck on that forever because you need to start gaining knowledge you need to start putting importance like for myself you know i'd argue that where i should be now what i should be doing now um, and this is based on the behaviors i've seen from my peers in um, the in the community is, is putting all of that st- stuff to the side, putting all these lectures to the side, putting everything to the side, and actually focusing on the Qur'an, focusing on understanding the Qur'an, focusing on my Arabic, focusing on my memorization. Because I've, I've realized in myself, I've had years of that, of you know boosting my iman, X, Y, Z, oh, just stick on a lecture, stick on a video. Mm. That has become my deen, right? And, and, I, and I realized up until recently, um, oh, my son's crying. <laughs> I realized up until recently, I'm not really learning anything new in the sense that I can die happy. I can mm. die saying I've achieved something. It's been a long time since I've challenged mm. myself to something new. And, and and I've seen recently how there's brothers that I sort of started practicing with and now they've just engrossed themselves in studying mm. the Qur'an, in memorizing the Qur'an, in learning mm. its meanings and learning Arabic. And actually, the way that they speak about the Qur'an, it's almost like they've discovered something mm. that is like hidden that understand... They've seen. It's like they've seen something that you will never mm. see. It's like the way they describe certain mm. ayat or certain miracles of the Quran. It's like incredible. The smile that they have on their face, um, mm. and it's like, well, I want a mm. bit of that. What's stopping me from getting that? So that's you know, and, and considering our busy lifestyles, considering all the response, certain amount of time dedicated to any part of Deen in terms of mm. extra sort of gaining knowledge or extra ibad or whatever. So you need to start tailoring that to something a bit more beneficial because chances are those few hours you get caught up on whether it's refutations mm. or whatever or then it's kind of wasted in a way mm. um but yeah. ultimately they have its place it it's its like place. Uh, and that's that's if, yeah, if that's we didn't have this culture of verifying things whether it's the chain of narration whether it's the narrators and you know what's known as uh, you know um the knowledge of men basically the narrators not you know the biographies of the narrators and were they trustworthy people or not if we'd and you know some of the narrators they wouldn't be trustworthy and you have to say it right and if we didn't have that then we wouldn't have you know so so much trust um in our hadith tradition uh so yeah and then you end up Mm. you know like where christianity maybe has gone these days where with so many different versions and it seems very subjective as to what the truth is 
Um, so uh, that's a good point. Like if we mm. don't have any sort of corrections in between ourselves, correcting each other, holding each other to account for what we've claimed is is what Allah has said, then we go eventually mm. we go lost definitely. So definitely um, correcting each other has has its place, and it just has to be in the right way. Like you said, it has to be mm. based on what was said and not the person so much. And it needs to. This yeah. is it. It's like you, like you've just mentioned. It's. I think our averseness to it is a symptom of our important. You know, mm. Either, all, all the sheikh is doing, whoever it is, it should be transmitting the Quran and Sunnah. Yeah, that's a good. So point. if they, yeah, if they're being refuted with the Quran and Sunnah, mm. then you should yeah, be exactly. able to so, remove yeah. them that's from your heart do, and focus yeah. just on the Quran and Sunnah. The evidence is no matter who's bringing it. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's happened to me at least one main time that I can think of where somebody that you know I I listened to so much and I looked up to so much and I you could say followed so much and benefited from so much and then I start seeing some things that you know not really convinced uh, they're always coming with what I'm looking for at least yeah and that was it was very uncomfortable. But but now, years later, where am I? I still respect that person. Mm. I still think they've benefited the Ummah greatly. Mm. It's just in one kind of area where I'm like, yeah, not sure about that. But it's not about the person. It's just about certain things being mm. said. So I think that's a big a big difference. And there's a difference, yani Allah Allah, but there's a difference between correcting someone's claim or someone's argument and doing like jarhu ta'di like actually saying this person as a person yeah um you know they shouldn't be taken from whatever that's that's a different thing yeah and both it's like both is ijtihad it's something that you know you need to be qualified to do and it's down to people's reasoning you know um but yeah let's move on bro because we spent a lot, Sorry, lot yeah. of time on it Th- thank you so much for the for this uh, comment um yeah really appreciate it uh, it's actually from a university email singapore all the way from singapore, all the way from singapore. right let's go uh oh god this this one okay let's skip this one i keep skipping this one it's been since the 20th of april maybe we shouldn't <laughs> skip it <laughs> it's then. not that it's because it's a whole topic suggestion so it would ah uh, okay got it, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a look at that another time okay um here we go, this one. Uh, this is from our Curious Cat, and you can send us stuff on uh, curiouscat.me slash mindheistpod, I believe. I think that's it. Mm. Oh, just go to mindheistpodcast.com and everything's on there. Anyway, mm. uh, the too long didn't read section of this is, do you think certain Stoic beliefs could align with Islamic beliefs and ideals? Anyway, the full question mm. is, assalamu alaikum. Just wanted to start off by thanking you guys for keeping up the podcast. I find it really insightful to hear people dissect their opinions and thoughts on things in a way that would have never crossed my own mind. Uh, may Allah continue to place barakah in this endeavor of yours. I've noticed Ahi to be talking about a medallion he was gifted on Instagram, and that got me thinking about the philosophy of Stoicism, which I know little about 
but what I do know does intrigue me. My question is, do you guys believe any of the teaching of Stoicism can align with Islamic beliefs and ideals? If so, which ones do you guys think are useful? If you've made it this far, congratulations. Uh, regards, an avid listener. Also, here's an article I've been reading on Stoicism, which you guys might find interesting, and it's essentially an, an article from dailystoic.com. Uh, forward slash what is stoicism a definition three stoic exercises to get you started uh, mm. stoicism achi. stoicism mm. uh, what do you what, what's, what's your response to this um, I think firstly a few things yeah go for it the truth is the truth mm. okay and I think the truth sometimes is found in traditions other than our own and that is because it is the truth, mm. yeah. And Allah Alam, where all the over hundred twenty thousand messengers were sent, and mm. where they went, and what what places they were, and obviously everywhere they went, they were bringing with them the truth, you know, mm. and these wisdoms. So sometimes I think like these uh, wisdoms that a lot of different cultures and and religions or philosophies adopt. Maybe they all came from these messengers, Allah mm. Adam, you know. Um, so the, the truth is the truth, um, no matter where it comes from, yeah. And secondly, the, uh, like, uh, is this a hadith, I believe, right? Al-Hikmatu Dhalatul Mu'min, the wisdom is the lost property of the believer. Yeah. He takes it wherever he finds it, this. Um, so... As long as that, what therefore, what that means is that if you find something, it obviously you need certain grounding in your religion to even judge if something is uh, against or uh, uh, lines up with or is just kind of neutral with when it comes to Islam. But you know, if something doesn't go against Islam, then it might be, and it, it seems to be wise and it makes sense to you. Then that's good, right? That's your property because mm. you're the you're a believer in charge. Your property, you take that, um, and so. I'm just starting it by saying that because whatever it is, stoicism, communism, feminism, all these things, and you know, sometimes I'm talking harsh against feminism, but we could say definitely the things in feminism that uh, are also in Islam, mm. right? It might be that 90% is not in Islam, but it's good. I like, I remember Muhammad Hijab, he started talking about feminism by uh, admitting certain overlap between Islam and feminism. And it's a, I think it's a good way to approach that kind of discussion. Mm. So, for example, with feminism, uh, we would agree that a man and woman have equal um, uh, value, you know, like we would say in the in the eyes of Allah. You know, So that's something we could agree mm. with. With communism, we could say that we don't want uh, too, too much um, wealth, if you like, to accumulate in a way that ends up being oppressive. You know, we want some uh, movement of wealth between different classes of people, right? So, you know, even though communism ended up being a big mistake, a big flop, many things are uh, against Islam, we have to start with the point of, yeah, some of these things are, are in line with Islam. So, anyway, to go to Stoicism, from the what I know of Stoicism, you know, I've read uh, and heard about it quite a lot from people like Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday. Um, they go on and on about it. I kind of feel like it's the new age thing where it's like finding spirituality finding purpose without needing with not without needing but without taking on the rules that usually come with it mm. yeah um so i think a lot to be to be brief uh, i think a lot of it is in line with islam but i can't say everything is no. and i don't know 
everything in order to actually say that so yeah i think for myself um for myself it's i wouldn't say i've studied the whole i don't know what you want to call it a philosophy or a or yeah philosophy i'm a bit averse to calling it a philosophy i don't know if that's a loaded sort of term anyway okay um, i don't know though i don't know um Mm. for me i obviously stumbled upon one of the books uh, from ryan holiday and to me it, it came across as a a mode of thinking that was very much in line with islam that i know that islam would have promoted um but it was more i think it's a symptom of my lack of understanding of arabic and my lack of under my lack of ability to dive into what i believe already exists in our in our dean in terms of writings and works by scholars right i believe that i'm sure that if i was to study the arabic language and be proficient in it then works such as this with this you know with this much insight especially coming from a muslim perspective already exist mm. um i think it's a, the reason why a lot of muslims are getting into these particular books is because they speak to they speak to us with things that we are familiar with in a language that we essentially understand quite well um mm-hmm. so the way that i don't know ego is the enemy for example talks about the ego it's yeah. harms what and gives you modern day sort of examples um ways of thinking none of that from what i can remember none of that sort of message is counter to islam in fact it is promoted by islam we talk about battling yeah. the nefs the jihad the nefs that kind of element right so to me it shed yeah. sheds light in a way in a tone that um is beneficial and um what's the word complementary to what islam teaches so for me i believe these books could have easily been written by a muslim right mm. and could have been written better by muslims especially mm. if they were using examples from the quran and sunnah okay mm-hmm. in yeah. all honesty my biggest critique and i've mentioned this before i don't know if i mentioned it to you but my biggest critique mm. of these books is how they're very um eurocentric slash western centric like all of the mm. examples that are given are people that i don't identify with and never have and essentially they use certain people as examples of these kind of characteristics that i wouldn't agree with all of their life choices and i wouldn't agree with the outcome and, mm. and some of the bad things they've done in their lives okay um mm. i do see the the benefit of using those examples but you know i i always uh, i find an affinity to the message that's being given but i don't click with any of the examples that are given um unless it's some it's an example of someone that did something catastroph- catastrophically wrong and um for example at the moment I'm, i was reading um, stillness is the key i don't know how far you mm-hmm. got with that um mm, finished okay it. there was a section about tiger woods and how yeah so essentially i thought initially when he started talking about tiger woods i thought oh he's going to start promoting tiger woods's you know professionalism and how great he was at this sport etc yeah. and this is why yeah. but then i realized it was actually a critique of the 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 maybe more his or less dad, yeah, yeah his his father's the way the father brought him up and also his behavior and lashing out and how that led to him having affairs and how that led to him you know so mm. the message there was like oh that's quite important like look how this mm. you know that's a that's an important critique uh, an important critique of tiger woods for example and using his mentality mm. and the way he was raised same thing with uh with uh michael jordan like they were given examples of people that the ego overcame them and and this is how it sort yeah. of plays out and that was important to me because yeah i find that in everyone and i find that in a lot of non-muslims for example mm. and celebrities anyway mm. but 
what, what I've said and what many people have said, I remember speaking to Musa Adnan about this as well, um, we all sort of have discovered this kind of, these books, but we are hungry for it to be written from a Muslim perspective. And I think it mm-hmm. will happen sooner or later. And I think this is mm-hmm. why it's important for us to to maybe read this sort of stuff because you know i would love to i would love to be in a position one day to maybe be able to write a book that is more geared towards muslims that is specific for muslims yeah that lays out these ideas that we have in a form that is easy to digest because um without uh i don't know i'm not trying to disregard the way this the, the, the way that the islamic words are written out today because the the ulama that have produced the works that they have whether that's translations or exegesis or whatever of the quran and sunnah i think it maybe it hasn't been uh i don't know easily adopted by people this day and age because i, I maybe writing styles are different for example like I, I, there's books like by ibn qayyim um mm. That I've got here, and I've read those books, and I think a lot of those books have those gems in them, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think they are adapted to uh, give modern day examples that we can associate yeah. with. So, yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, I think that's the other thing I would say is the translation sometimes is not translated into uh, an English mm. that we are used to, mm. and the thing is, I think they it's a translation, it's not a, a, a new book, mm. and therefore. The style which we're not used to is taken from the original version mm. and it's just copied. Mm. And so we're not used to that style. Maybe it doesn't flow so much for us. I think so that's just a few things. It's essentially maybe the the most important thing I think these these sorts of books do scratch the itch of is that as we've, you know, named our podcast quite aptly Mind Heist, I think mm-hmm. we do live in a day and age where we are bombarded by all sorts of you know, stimuli from media, social media, advertisements, uh, talk on the street, news, things that I don't think, uh, as as Ryan Holiday maybe does put, I don't think there was a level of stillness that we have now, that we don't have now, sorry, that existed in the past. Like, there isn't mm. really a, this lack of calmness and nothing, you know, nothingness and the, the ability to think. Um, and we're not really exposed to that as much generally speaking mm-hmm. with the nine to five and things going on all the time yeah. it's very busy life's very fast <clears throat> yeah so i think there is a uh, room for for people to approach this sort of idea and this concept and this mindset management from the dean because the dean has got all the answers you know and uh, we're mm-hmm. not shying away from that the religion's got all the answers i think um it's just it just requires a bit more work and a bit more um exploration to, to to find the specific remedies that you're looking for in your life um yeah for- i mean some of the, the the big hitters um in terms of what you're talking about this kind of book this genre of book for the muslims is books like don't be sad you know that yeah. that's a that's a classic everyone yeah. loves that book yeah. every you know everyone read that book in arabic english that was a big one and it can maybe it's like what you're saying it's proof that people want this Mm, definitely mindset like you know it's self-help essentially and and i think what, what a lot of muslims fall into is picking up books that are translated information and then not knowing how to apply that to their own mm. sort of mm. behavior adequately mm. 
Yeah. And I think yeah, there is a there is a market for it. And I think there will yeah. be sooner or later. I think there will be Muslims that that bridge that gap. Um, yeah, I can already think of some Muslims that would be brilliant if they you know put some pen to paper. I think they'd be brilliant mm. in translating that sort of methodology and that sort of mindset management because mm. that otherwise if you can't. If you don't get that from a book, then you would get that from a teacher, I think. Like someone who was in front of yes. you that could advise you about specific issues, um, yes. generalities. And for a lot of us, mm. unfortunately, we don't have a teacher present in that sort of sphere of things. Mm. And it's gonna mm. be, it would have to be a teacher that is aware and um, aware of certain things that the general populace go through, um, yeah. you know, in terms of this sort of exposure. Um, mm. But yeah, so if we just sort of conclude the question oh I've already answered it now I don't remember what it said but yeah I wouldn't say like I think it's also you know there is that danger danger towards it because there are going to be things in, in, in any of these books that aren't okay for us you know that we do disagree mm. with um, and I don't want to start saying as this question may imply oh I believe in stoicism and I believe in this and this is you know my way of life and blah 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 mm. I don't and that's why I said before like calling it a philosophy for me I don't want to start saying oh I read other philosophies or I'm into that kind of thing um, mm. what it is for me is I'm I'm essentially translating what the dean already promotes in a language that resonates with me because then what I can do is I take some of that from from that book for example whether it's a quote whether it's an idea and I realise it yeah it matches up with this in the religion and then I can use that as fuel and motivation for myself and a better understanding of myself um, and it is, it is quite phenomenal that there are a lot of things that are that do that they share you know for example or mm-hmm. remembering death uh, mm-hmm. killing the ego um, giving you know having this uh I remember recently in one of the books it was talking about the the necessity to believe in something bigger than yourself mm. uh, the necessity to believe in a higher being and obviously didn't call mm. it you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't call it god but it's 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 fascinating to see that there's certain people that have no deen in a sense in terms of islam but their search for truth sort of brings them to what we'd say aligns to islam and, and it goes back yeah. to what you were saying earlier like the truth is there all the time like the truth has always been there and we are all human beings like we we whether we're Muslim or not so we all suffer from the same things and we do all see we, we may, will all see the same sort of problems that need solutions alhamdulillah for us we've relinquished ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so our, our solutions are there on paper for us at the mm-hmm. moment you know the Quran and the Sunnah for a lot of these non people that don't have that they're searching for it and yeah sometimes they mm. will get close to the truth so on some aspects they'll hit the nail on the head you know because yeah. Yeah. we're all living the same human experience uh, yeah and Allah's kind of programmed us to look for the truth yeah. if we're sincere it's a, imagine you were I don't know it could be anything it could be some an illness imagine you had an illness right and you have been gifted with the knowledge of knowing that this certain drug you know um treats the illness very well you know it cures it mm. you know it could be anything it could be a cold for example right but then your neighbor who isn't been gifted with it is trying all sorts of home remedies okay mm. and actually finds something that that does treat his illness mm. maybe that thing that he's found was already mm. in the drug that you've had you know that was part yeah. of the core ingredients they've scratched the surface and they found something 
civilizations have have found solutions to problems whilst others sort of get close almost get there but then they try something completely different and veers them off Mm. Um, alhamdulillah we've been blessed and I think it's important to to thank Allah all the time about the blessings that we have we can easily say with our you know hands on our hearts that the Quran and Sunnah are the solution to all these issues and we should feel maybe a, a level of pity for people that are still out there searching mm. because think about it these books these self-help books that non-Muslims are fascinated with are feeding or attempting to feed this hunger that they've got for guidance um, desperately want guidance you can tell by the way they're writing these books that they're speaking to a people that are desperate for guidance that yeah. want some sort of path in life to follow that want a set of rules mm. and to think we we speak to non-muslims that have an adverse reaction to religion because they hate being told what to do and they hate rules and they don't want to be limited yeah. uh, you know in their eyes but then you get this other group of people that are like desperate for rules and regiments and routine mm. you know and, and habits mm. and and without all of this and without submitting to something higher than themselves they're lost and they're just mm. you know daishin as you'd say in Arabic <laughs> but yeah yeah um, just a few few more thoughts I had while you were talking um, one of the kind of founders of this of Stoicism I can't remember who it was maybe it was Seneca he actually how did he die he killed himself oh, right. yeah so you know, obviously, these these are the kind of things we don't want to follow follow them in. And by the way, you know how he killed himself, or why he killed himself? It's because I think he was found to be part of a plot against the emperor. Okay. Oh. Okay. And what what did the emperor do? He had somebody deliver a knife or something to the guy's house, and basically, it was in their tradition that it's like I'm not going to kill you; you have to kill yourself. Yeah. So. If he had refused to kill himself, then they would have killed him anyway, or something. Uh-huh. So, but he did. He did kill himself. Um, he slit his wrists and stuff, and he sat in a bath. It was some kind of tradition, some messed up tradition. Oh right. So uh, that's that's something to think about. Obviously, we don't want to follow people that went that way, you know. But um, mm. in in this article that they've linked, um, there are like nine exercises of stoicism. Right. I thought we could quickly go through them and see what lines up with Islam. So the first, it says, practice misfortune. Yeah. Something that rings a bell for me in this is, it's like, uh, I think Umar al-Khattab, he said, you know, prepare for a day when you won't have what you have now. Yeah. Mm. So don't get too soft and, and you know, cushy and, and get used to that. It's not hadith or anything, but it's something Umar al-Khattab said. Train perception to avoid good and bad. So uh, Marcus Aurelius said, choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel mm. harmed, and you haven't been. Yeah. So I can I can think of certain things where Allah changes our paradigm shift to to see things differently. So, for example, uh, in Surah uh, Al Imran, Allah says, says, Don't don't be weak and don't be scared, and you'll be uh, you'll be given the upper hand if you're truly believers. Yeah. Mm. And this is. And you could say, um, how do I choose not to be weak? But it's kind of like, almost like Allah saying, no, being weak is what you choose to, you know, if you've got the weak mentality, right, and you don't have the tawakkul and stuff, that's how you become weak. So Allah's ordering you not to be weak and not to be um, sad as though it's in our control, 
and it is in control. How? In kuntum mu'minin, if you're truly believers. You know, obviously being a true believer comes with having tawakkud. So that's something that came across my mind. It's it's, it's the same with the, the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in regards to the affair of the Muslim is always good. Yes, yes. Uh, next, remember it's all eph- ephemeral. I think that means everything will come to an end. And obviously there's an exact ayah about this, which is... Um, كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانْ Everything will mm-hmm. come to an end. وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Everything will come to an end and the face of Allah will stay uh, you know, eternally. Um, and that's a funny thing is, see, we've got something exactly like this, except we're adding this thing of, no, but Allah is eternal. Allah stays forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, next is, take the view from above. I'm guessing this is about seeing, uh, zooming out, seeing the bigger picture. Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head from Islam, but probably there is. I mean, this is kind of, uh, I don't know, common sense. Taking well, a step it, back. It, 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 can, it can be, hmm. it can be, I don't know if it's a, a direct link, like a direct saying, but hmm. it's the concept of you know things happening for a reason. There's always going to be a reason hmm. why Allah yes. has chosen yeah. for something to happen. Qadr, yeah. Yeah, so you know something happens that you just can't mm. understand why yeah. but you have to force yourself to separate yourself from that situation mm. and, and do a bit of mental gymnastics like something I would practice is mental gymnastics of thinking okay what could possibly be a reason for this to happen just to sort of yeah. swallow that pill mm. a bit easier mm. and I will think of things there will always be yeah. things yeah. you know it could be anything as simple as you know your car breaking down on the way somewhere mm. and you're like why would this happen i really wanted to go to this it was going to be benefit but i think you know it could be all sorts of things could yeah. happen on avoided that journey, a car accident avoided. or whatever yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. things like that yeah. so. and the difference again is that we believe <coughs> that allah is is active in our life whereas this mm. is just taking a step back and kind of i don't know really what they're trying to say okay next is <laughs> memento mori so meditate on your death on your mortality so of course we have that, you know, visiting the graves, um, mm. and uh, for example, the hadith: um, whoever loves to meet Allah, then Allah will love to meet him. Uh, mm. You know, I'm, but, I'm super you know, on that, mm. it's it's important. I think we discuss mm. the, the the key difference there is that for them it's the end, and for us it's it's a beginning. Mm. Like we're thinking of death in a different sort of yeah paradigm we're thinking of death in the sense that remember death because this is what you're going to answer about mm. like this right now but they're like remember death because you won't achieve the dunya you mm. won't attain the dunya basically they're you... saying yolo yeah <laughs> they're saying you're running out of time yeah. achieve what you want in the dunya mm. we're saying you know you're running out of time mm. you're, you're going to answer for this mm. like okay that's interesting you understand? Because it's kind of showing that their focus is on for example you stub your toe, you're in so much pain, you're fed up, and then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to die, right? So it'll bring you back yeah. to the bigger picture. Whereas for yeah. us, yes, that would help us in that sense as well, but it's also reminding us of any pain in this life or any uh, effort we exert in this life for the sake of Allah. It's, hmm. it's coming, you know, well, 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 uh, well uh, you know, well, 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 or, um, you know this kind of mm. thing uh, number six is this within my control so that's obviously uh, being able to differentiate between what's in your control what isn't if it's not in your control mm. then uh, you could just let go of it but uh, we have some a better version of this I would say where it's like uh, I, I saw something on Twitter one day it's like 
alhamdulillah nothing's in my control yeah so it's mm. like knowing that allah is in control of everything that's way better than having this thing of oh that's in my control that's not in my control no actually nothing's in your control but that's a good thing next is journaling uh i don't know if we have that specifically um but hey um, yeah um, that's a bit of a but you know what yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to you know live in squeeze something out of nothing okay but i suppose for, for them it's it's having this conversation isn't it and if you have no if you have no really and truthfully if you don't believe that you have a lord that you can speak to yeah then then they have to let it out somehow mm, yeah um so for us we've got the obviously dua for example that conversation you can have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah for us we've also got the concept that well it depends how deeply you think about it but for me like i know that every conversation i've ever had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never be forgotten by him mm. you know mm. um i may think the angels are journaling for you as well the angels are journaling <laughs> for you but it, it gives you a level of of solace that you know that Allah knows every single issue you've ever had, every mm. single problem you've ever had, every experience you've ever had, yeah. you can entrust that into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. You let it out and you can entrust that into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah. even though you've forgotten the du'as you've made mm. a year ago, they could come through mm. and you forgot that you even mm. made those du'as. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I do think there's a there's an element of journaling which we could say is absent from Islam, but there's, there's, there's beneficial elements to journaling. Um, that we could take on purely for the benefit that it brings you, you know, like getting clarity mm. on your thoughts and stuff like that. Mm. Um, next is practice negative visualization. So <laughs> I don't know about this one. Um, well, I'd say that you, you know, as the Prophet Sassanim said about, um, you know, don't look at those who are higher, like mm. better than you. That it could be something in the sense that you are visualizing the things that you, the blessings that could be taking away. You're visualizing. You know, things could be yeah. worse than they are now, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I guess one way I try and think about it is, wherever I am, let's say, even if things are relatively, yeah, like let's say I'm everything's okay in life. You know, it's okay. Alhamdulillah, it's good. I try and think of, okay, I'm way better off than most people on Earth. If I was to go down a step, down a level. I would be okay. Like yeah. I deal with it. Allah would hook me up, you know. So having that trust, I think, is uh, something quite powerful to know that no matter what happens, yeah, we are we are fully aware, uh, at least on a logical level, that you could get paralyzed tomorrow. But just the fact that you know that, you know, the akhirah is more important, and the fact that you trust in Allah and whatever qadr that comes to you is is good, can be good for you, depending how you take it. That's a powerful thing. The last thing is love everything that happens. Is this yeah, like Qadr again? Like it's, it's what we were talking about before, about the affair of the believer is always mm. good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think in, in summary, we could say um, Islam is, uh, has many things in terms of these, at least these nine things we listed, but Definitely, it, it yeah. takes it a level higher and a level better. And of course, the fact that it's directly from Allah, you know, we have the Quran from Allah, we have. So let's say there's um, a certain wisdom that has been passed around generations, you know, in a culture that doesn't, you know, hasn't been in touch with Islam. Yeah. And we pick that up and we're like, OK, that's cool. What would be better, that which has been passed around and maybe changed slightly and this and that or the direct, mm. you know, juice from Quran and Sunnah? 
obviously we would say the Quran and Sunnah is better because it's like it's more authentic. We know definitely where it came from. We can trust in it more, even if the other thing is also wise and also makes sense. So, um, if we and it's stoicism, I need some cool elements. Uh, but I just think, like you were saying before, the way yes. it's presented yeah. is what is attracting people to stoicism. Like even us, like me and you, we're reading Ryan Holiday books. Yeah, why? It's because we like the ideas. We like how it's being presented. We we we, we like that stuff. But we're like, if if there was that kind of presentation of Islamic yeah. ideas, yeah, 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 then yeah, yeah. burn Ryan Holiday, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? And and you know, you said inshallah, people will start writing books. I haven't mentioned yeah. this before, but inshallah, I'm working on something inshallah, and it's it's uh, it's you know, so far it's been very mind, um, yeah. mi- you know, op- mind opening. Is that a word? Uh, it's been it's been mind opening in yeah. terms of what truly is out there when you go to the sources very very good man very good so inshallah uh i don't want to say much more than that but inshallah i i, I believe definitely it, it, this this should this movement should should happen i'm not sure how much people are going to consume that in an actual book form but what i think is when you research for a book when you write the book now you you have the knowledge to be able to uh, communicate that as a, as an audio book as a podcast right. as a blog post as a short video as a long video you know so the point is to get the knowledge and spread it and communicate it in a in a, a way that's kind of effective um and one book actually that came across uh that i came across which is kind of in this uh, league in this genre is called with the heart in mind and it is written by uh sheikh mikhail smith who's based in the u.s and um it's, it's about the emotional and moral intelligence of the prophet Right, so it's taking that hype of emotional intelligence, and it's like, okay, we know the Prophet had this, and surely he had it to the yeah. highest degree. So let's explore that, you know. So I'm looking to get get a copy of that book. They don't have Kindle version, but uh, inshallah, I'll be reading that soon. Look forward to that. Okay, um, what's the next? Uh, I'm gonna go from oldest to newest. Uh, okay, Rashid, you know, big salam alaikum to Rashid because he's always sending us emails. Alhamdulillah. Um, okay, so he was just talking about a uh, great episode, guys. Something I believe many of us um, have slash been uh, uh, have or are going through. Um, I think he's talking about the whole refutations thing and not knowing, like, being confused who to follow. I'm not sure if that was in the same episode. Anyway, he's talking about the issue. I think you you mentioned it before. Of um, do we assume people are yeah. you know guy like, if they're Muslim? You know, do we assume they're kind of on the correct path or not? Yeah. And I think that in summary, he emailed Ustad uh, Muhammad Tim Humble, and um, he he basically is saying that uh, when you meet a person, you may well see indications of a certain belief, like a bad belief. So then you don't assume that they're on the truth, but otherwise, presume that a person is good until you see otherwise. Um, so mm. that's basically a summary of what he was sharing with us. So Jazakallah Khairan. Um, Okay, question about Islamic finance. Salaamu alaikum. I came across your podcast on Islamic finance and mortgages. Must have been a long time ago. (laughs) This is a very interesting topic. Did we actually talk about Islamic finance and mortgages? I don't know about that. We we talk about money maybe in general? I've I've noticed a lot of people, um, a lot of listeners, Mm. when they they sort of screenshot what they're listening to, Mm. it tends to be a very old episode. I think, alhamdulillah, I think what what people are doing is Mm. what we kind of wanted is to sort of flick through, see something that suits them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're timeless topics, isn't it? So, 
So she said, um, this is a very interesting topic that I want to learn more on. I'm a third year student doing my dissertation on Islamic finance and mortgages. I was hoping you could help me answer a few questions. Oh, I don't know about that. Ideally, I'd like to hold an interview. Okay, so this is just asking. Okay, I don't think we can help with that. Are you? Uh, do you happen to be a specialist no. in this, bro? I pay my rent. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this is a quick one, then we'll go to, to Curious Cat. Rashid again, Jazakallah Khairan. He said, sick episode, guys. When I first read the title, I assumed it was going to be a bit dry. However, it turned out to be arguably your juiciest episode, for me anyway. So I think he's talking oh, about yeah. the last episode, the voting one. So thank you for that. Uh, okay, back to Curious Cat. <coughs> uh, Assalamu alaikum, brothers. I just want to start off with saying how much I benefit from the podcast. May Allah reward you both endlessly. Uh, I am not sure if you guys talked about it already, but how do you find balance in life and what practical steps could you take to find balance? I'm a student and I don't juggle quite as much as you both, lol, but I do have quite a few things that I do other than studying for school, such as studying the dean and a few other side things I am interested in. Jazakallah khairan. Um, I'd assume that you're better at this than I am, I mean... <laughs> but maybe that's... I don't. Uh, mm. My assumption, and it's just, just an assumption here, is that you might have more control over day to day like you are able to timetable things more am i correct in thinking that yeah of course i mean i i I can these days especially like the last two three months um definitely more control right because uh uh, i changed over the last you know three to six months pretty much changed the business from being like a services business to being more like a training business which means you're not on call of your clients. They're not as, uh, asking you questions, waiting for reports, waiting for work to be done. It's more um, in my control. So even more than before, because obviously before I was still working for mm. myself, but even more than before now, uh, I'm in control. So I know it's a rare situation. So we, and it's obviously I think people, maybe a lot of people, you know, should aspire to get into that position but most people are not in that position so maybe it's not relevant for me to go through that i don't know oh it's but i could i could share a few things that maybe try and make it relevant yeah go for it please um so he's talking about balancing between you know different areas of life and trying to you know i guess make progress in all different areas of life um you know so the main things in life you know i'm guessing that you're talking about is stuff like your your health your maybe uh, your studies, yeah. uh, whether that's Islamic studies or other studies, your ibadah, um, and make, maybe making a living, maybe spending time with family. I mean, these five things are the kind of uh, common things, isn't it? Um, uh, so one key thing I try and do is I have, try and have non-negotiables that... So obviously you, you, everybody has these dreams and goals of the future, or a lot of people do, and those are things you might, it might take you five to ten years to accomplish mm-hmm. them, right? You might you might need to start those in a different phase in your life. But the things that are non-negotiable now, you need to start doing them now. You need to force them into your timetable right now, right? Even if it's in a small way. And we talked about this before, like um, it doesn't matter about reaching the destination. It's about dying while you're on the path, yeah? So, for exa- so a good example of this is reading Quran. Make it a non-negotiable to read mm-hmm. Quran. Now, you might say, I'm busy. I've got work and I've got studies, let's just say, yeah? Well, I'm just talking about five to ten minutes, right? Um, and I just feel like if you live your life with certain these, it's all about habits, basically, yeah. yeah? So if you have these good habits, obviously you're praying, you're praying every day, and you're 
reading your Quran every day, then that will add up over time. However long Allah allows you to live, it will add up and you just should have these non-negotiables because this is your life, your life, you know, uh, What's the ayah? Inna hayati wa mamati wa nusuki. No. What's the ayah? Let me find it. You know, basically, you know, it's, is it Ibrahim alayhi He said, my uh, life and death and everything is uh, for Allah. Mm. Let, me, let me actually find it. Because it's a very powerful ayah. Uh, let me search. Mamati. Come on, why they got ads on a phone? <laughs> Come on, gotta make that Gotta pay, gotta pay gotta the hosting bills, I suppose. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah? My uh, prayer, my sacrifice, my life, and my death is for Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Yeah? So, obviously, we know the point of, of living and the point of existing is to worship Allah. So, um, so therefore you have to have these minimum things in your life every day you're doing them. I would suggest that that is your prayer, um, your reading Quran 5-10 minutes a day minimum. You could do whatever time allows you to do. Maybe you could squeeze in fasting once a week, again depending. Uh, do your adhkar, you know, your morning, your evening adhkar or your after salah adhkar. And these are all modular and they're things that you could do a lot of or, or not much of. But I just feel like you should have some non-negotiables when it comes to your ibadah. And then it just depends on your life. Like, let's say, like, you you said you're studying. Let's say you're studying full-time. So you got your studies. Then you've got your prayer, which is, what is your prayer? It's, it's like up to one hour a day where you're praying, if you add it all together. One hour, plus your thing, plus you've got 10 minutes Qur'an. Okay, you're living, you're already quite balanced now because you're doing your studies. You're giving some time to Allah. Um, now, you might, you might want to add some exercise in there, maybe three times a week. Um, for 45 minutes or maybe you're finding you look i know i want to do that but i just don't do that so downgrade it do get a kettlebell do 10 minutes a day at home you know so um it's all about squeezing bits in rather than having these goals that are going to make you stop yeah? yeah make you give up um and just building momentum in little habits and i know i haven't read the book but i i, I really uh from what i've heard i think that atomic habits book seems to be really good in terms of establishing habits so I would pick that book up and I would uh, implement it in terms of these kind of habits. Um, and another thing, like me, for example, yeah, I've got my business and I've got certain projects I'm doing, like maybe like passion projects, like the like the podcast and like some other things, yeah. Now, some of those projects, I'm comfortable not doing them now, like like delaying them. Unlike the non-negotiables, I'm comfortable delaying them because I recognize I can only have like two or three main focuses at any given time to actually make progress, okay? So, you know, for you, it might be your studies, your, and then on top of that, some Islamic studies. And then if, if these like Ibadah habits are new to you, it might be those. So do these three things for a good, it might, however long it, you know, your studies, however long you've got left of that, do that. And whatever passion project you want to do, be like, yeah, I'll get to that. As long as Allah lets me, um, lets me uh, uh, live that long, I will get to that. Uh, I remember reading a really good blog post on the wait but why. And it's about thinking of your life in seven-year um, periods or phases. Yeah. So if you think about it like that, seven years is enough to actually master something and achieve a great much in that area. Mm. And how many seven years do you have in your life if you live till 70, you have 10 of them. 
So imagine like, you know, all while you're, let's say you're working, and then you have, you're working, you have your non-negotiable ibadah, and then you have one passion project, and that passion project lasts for seven years. Imagine with consistency how much you could achieve in seven years, and then when that seven years is over, you start a new one, and you could, you could get five, six, seven of these big projects done, and you, you've committed seven years mm-hmm. to them, and you could really become a master or uh, whatever it is, whatever it ends up being in that seven years. And you might decide at the end of seven years, no, I'll do another seven years on this because it's that important, it's that you know effective yeah. or whatever. Um, but that's another thing that allows me to balance between doing these non-negotiable habits today and then also knowing that I can only focus on two, three things at once and therefore I'm going to delay certain things until the next seven years. Yeah? So I don't know if that was a bit jumbled. <laughs> it's not as structured as I usually try to talk. But yeah, that's some thoughts. It's tri- what do you what do you think, bro? Because you you're always the guy who's like, yeah, but that's not realistic. So, is what 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 am I what I'm what I'm what I am saying is that is that realistic? What do you think? I'm just a negative Nancy. Clearly, uh, I think it's fascinating that people listen to us and think that we are. Um, I mean, maybe even more so you, but I, there's some level of assumption that we have a balanced life. You know, mm. it's like how do I? Is that what the question like says? Asking, yeah. Well, it, it kind of approaches it like that, mm. almost like uh, if you're going to ask me, mm. "How do you balance your life?" Mm. Then I'd I'd assume there's an assumption. Yeah, there, that's true. That my life is balanced, and you want me to know true. my secret. Mm. Mm. Um, but I might just be looking for other perspectives. Yeah, yeah possibly. But yeah, I, I I need the same sort of answers. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think for myself, it's. Um, Sorry, um, for myself, it's the maybe identifying a lot of the roadblocks I have. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> I'm the most productive when my mind is sort of in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I what I try and tackle first is my mind, mm. my mindset, what I'm, my my moods, what's affecting me mentally, mm. that sort of blocks me from doing anything productive mm. because. When I'm not mentally in a good place, then I really like, I don't know, I really um, disregard a lot of things that are beneficial for me, Mm. (coughs) such as whether it's exercise or, (coughs) sorry, whether it's exercise or, um, you know, gaining knowledge or doing some x-ray bed at or or generally speaking, just being calm and and collected and and, and facing obstacles as they come. and I think a lot of that, you know, funnily enough, there are things that you can mm. identify. For example, getting enough sleep. Like I've noticed that when I don't get enough sleep, then yeah, I 100%. struggle doing anything the next day mm. because I just can't be bothered. And, you know, talk to me about, you know, being motivated out of the window. I'm not interested. You know, I just want to get through the day mm. and go home and sleep. Mm. Um, for example, I've spoke before about work and how work you know, at the moment, I'm trying to get to a place at work where I'm like, okay, now I can start focusing on other things in life. But, but I won't be able to focus on other things in life until I'm at a level of of functioning at work where I'm a bit more. Yeah, I can put it to the side. I can go home and not think about it, kind of thing. Yes, yeah. and I'm slowly getting there. I'm slowly getting I'm there. Um, yeah. But what but do you yeah. think about like right now when you're not there yet? Um, could you see yourself having these kind of non-negotiables like that I'm talking about? Possibly, possibly. 
like argue with me yeah like <laughs> like why would somebody who's working nine to five let maybe not your job maybe your job's a bit more demanding than normal nine to five but somebody working nine to five is it possible they wouldn't find 10 minutes to give to the quran if no, uh, you know assuming I, I, they yeah. want to go jannah yani. <laughs> i think yeah no i think as you said i think there are people that they're non-negotiables hmm. you know that, that it can be done i really do i think you know like you've mentioned i think my i'm a bit of an outlier but i think if i can put it in there then so can they and i think the way i try and do it for myself is that my days off are quite like they're de- de- definitive like yeah this is my day off right mm. so what i can do is apply my, a non-negotiable on my days off mm. um as opposed to someone who can do a bit more which is put non-negotiables every day you know right right um because there's a bit more structure so mm. i think yeah it's it's habit building once again it's establishing you know it's establishing something that you want to achieve and things that are building blocks to get there it just depends how much importance you're going to put on it on those end goals something like learning the quran or memorizing the quran or something mm. to do with deen that, is, yeah. that should be a very strong thing but that also mm. relies on you having a certain level of iman for mm. a consistent amount of time um mm. or developing a sort of discipline that doesn't waver whatsoever um but we did say before we have mentioned before i think not too long ago on an episode that just because you've started on a path and you waver doesn't mean that's the end of your path you just get back on it as soon as you can yeah yeah, yeah. and that's what yeah. you'll find in that atomic habits book yeah isn't it it's like it's very good i think honestly the summary of this is uh you know the small actions uh, uh regular actions even even if they're small like that's the summary yeah. So, so even though you might spend eight hours at work and then only one hour on ibadah, you know, start somewhere. Start. Definitely. Be consistent. Small. Go on. Uh, but what's the lesson to learn from work? It's that when you got somebody standing over your shoulder, you do it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. maybe that's a. I don't know how you can. Obviously, the way to implement that would be to hire someone. But obviously, mm. not everyone can afford that kind of person. But to have some kind of accountability partner some kind of whatsapp group i don't know um i actually joined a uh whatsapp group recently it's something i've not heard of before it's quite interesting i'll be i'm interested to see if it actually works and people uh, stay with it and basically there's a hundred and like 60 of us in this whatsapp group and the sheikh there's a there's a sheikh he's a specialist in uh, tajweed and, and quran and what he will do is he will recite um an ayah so so far he's just done a'udhu billahi min shaitan rajeem and he's done bismillah yeah so he'll say that he'll explain the common mistakes people make when reciting it and then everybody will record their own one say, saying it and then he will correct them okay so it's a lot of voice notes that he's correcting yeah but that's interesting isn't it it's like it's there in your whatsapp you know like oh, wow. it's something small you just re- just recite bismillah for example bismillah rahman rahim in in your voice note and, and send it and something small isn't it yeah um and it's like an online version it's free and all that so these kind of things are interesting that sounds like a big job <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's a lot of work for him definitely 
inshallah I think you know the first step is to just identify that you want more balance I think that's always good I think I think we disregard that a lot of the time we under, underestimate the importance of identifying that there's an issue mm. and actually wanting to, to tackle it that's, that's a yeah start. before it's too late and stuff yeah, yeah. That's, that's really yeah. good um, yeah and, and you know no one knows your life better than you in a sense Allah mm. knows it better than you so maybe first and foremost is make du'a for balance make du'a for guidance mm-hmm. uh, ask Allah to guide you to things that are better for you and ask Allah to identify to you things that aren't good so that you can avoid mm. them and disregard them and, and minimize yeah. them mm. and um, sometimes you got to ask yourself do I really want this you know yeah. do I really want to memorize the Quran for example if I really wanted to memorize the Quran I would be putting X amount of time a week to do it if I'm mm. not doing that, let's be real. I don't want it. Right? I'm speaking mm. about myself now. I, how can I claim I want to memorize the Quran when I'm not putting the work in? How, I can't claim it. I would, I would make it a priority if I really wanted it. So sometimes you need the motivation. And sometimes maybe the motivation comes from something like listening to Akhirah kind of series about the Akhirah. Some, I've always heard these things are very, very motivational to give you a bit of a kick and reprioritize you know mm. um because like so, uh, you know i blocked um all these social media things off like they're not on my phone i don't have uh, any um internet browser on my phone i don't have youtube on my phone and people might be like wow how do you do that well it's simple uh, those things were getting in my way of doing certain projects and i wanted to do the projects so there was only one thing i had to do which is remove them so it's it's about do you want it or not sometimes and you got to just sit and think with yourself what do, what do I want do I really want it if I do really want it what am I willing to do to do it these kind of things wow broski that's some good that's some heavy hitting knowledge you should write a book about that <laughs> um should we the maybe we can uh so the Islamic finance thing, that's not a thing. Um, there's one more email. Um, Assalamu alaikum, guys. This is from Kareem. Assalamu alaikum, Kareem. Uh, love the podcast. Keep it going. Allahumma barik. I have a question regarding your experiences living abroad in Muslim-majority countries. What do you recommend before making the move? What are the best ways to make a living? How does one deal with distance to parents slash giving them their rights, etc.? And what are some of the major culture clashes that can come along? Jazakallah khair and best regards. So, he said your experiences. I know you lived in Tunisia, but that wasn't so much a, a decision um, of your own, was it? No, let me see. I want to read that as well. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, living abroad. I didn't live that long, and I was too mm. young to remember a lot of the, the important mm. things that we would now um, like I was at school so making the move I'd never moved it's going to have to be you I mean you've made more of these decisions than yeah I have. although again I think I'm a bit of an anomaly as well because um, what is abroad for me I don't even know <laughs> like I don't have hope yeah um, so I think a good episode to listen to is episode 49 where um, I spoke with Kaya about his decision to move to the UAE from the UK 
As for one thing maybe is how do you deal with distance to parents and still giving them their rights, etc. I think you just put it in your schedule to call them a minimum once a week. Some people just do it over WhatsApp. Some people do WhatsApp and they call them once a week. I know a friend of mine, he calls his yeah. parents every single day, but it's only like for 10 minutes. So you have to, that has to be a non-negotiable. And then have a, some, if possible, that's why I said to someone who's moving abroad recently, I said, you should have the intention to have uh, some kind of house that is welcoming to your parents. So if they ever did want to come and visit with you, stay with you for a week, two weeks, whatever, that is possible. And mm. when you say, oh, yeah, I've got a spare bedroom, yeah, then it becomes a really welcoming. It becomes like, yeah, I'm serious about you coming and visiting me, you know. And obviously it's good if they can, yeah. if they're not working or whatever, they can actually move with you, you know, if that's possible. Um, so just like book it in your schedule, whatever, to call them every week, every day, whatever, and then really make them feel very welcomed to visit you as much as you can. So that's, a, that's yeah. one thing. Um, when you say what's the best ways to make a living, I mean, it's it really completely depends on you and the country you're thinking of going to. Of course, there's there is the whole thing of um, working independent of location. So whether that's as a freelancer or as a business owner uh, or even some companies now, they'll hire you and they don't mind that you're not in a certain country. And maybe it's a bit rare, but it does exist. Um, so. So just, I don't know, those are the easier ones, Yanni. But some countries are known for English-speaking jobs, so you might want to get a... My friend was telling me yesterday, actually, if you have a CELTA and you um, have a Western passport or an English-speaking country passport and you have a degree, then you can you pretty much definitely would get a job in Saudi Arabia teaching English. You might be in some middle-of-nowhere village, right? But if you're single at the, at the moment... Um, then that's a good way of just going, doing your umrah, maybe doing your hajj, saving up some money, tax-free, living in a Muslim country. That's a good way to start, you know, and you just need the shelter and this and mm. that. Um, other people, they, it's always good to have a skill, like a, a skill that people actually need, you know. Like we know, we know yeah. developing software is a big one these days. We know um, AI is a big one. We know, um, you know, marketing is a big one. Everyone needs sales. Everyone ne needs marketing, visibility, etc., um, you know these skills like what is a skill that's in demand if you have an in demand skill then you could start to dictate to people oh yeah I'm going to give you this amazing skill I have but I'm just going to work in this country or I'm living in this country though and maybe that gives you that yeah. leverage where they're yeah. like oh okay then fine so that's a short yeah. thing culture clashes he said what's the major culture clashes again I don't know because I, I didn't I grew up amongst so many different cultures, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about that one. It depends, doesn't it, where you are. Each place has its own mm -hmm. culture. And, you know, even even the way that Islam Practice, is yeah. portrayed mm. or practiced is, yeah. can be different. Yeah. So, you know, you could have an understanding that you're practicing Muslim from here and then you go over to a Muslim country assuming that yeah. things will be the same. Yeah. One thing that annoys me, man, is you know, you've been to Turkey, haven't you? Um, in the masajid oh, yeah. in Turkey, okay, the imam he says salam salam, and straight he goes into the uh, into the adhkar, right, and everyone does adhkar together there, right, and it drives me nuts because I'm like, you know, I like to do it myself, do it properly, this and that, and they're like, 
I, I, I'm very easily distracted. So, like, if they're doing their oh, right, card right. out loud, I cannot focus to do it myself. So <laughs> that's kind of annoying. Yeah. Uh, but one, one really, a thing I really loved about uh, Turkey, all the imams seem to have memorized the Quran properly. They all know it. And they will regularly recite it after Salah. So after Salah, they finish the adhkar, and then they might recite some ayat. And you know, if you have the time and stuff, you sit and you listen. They recite very well. Uh, it's all from memory, and it's all different parts of the Quran. So you, that's what, how you know that they've fully memorized it. Um, very good. And I really mm. enjoy that that part of it. So yeah, different different uh, ways of doing it in uh, in the UAE after salah. You know, it's every man for himself. <laughs> some uh, get up straight away. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. stay and do the adkar. Um, and actually, interesting. Uh, I forgot who said this to me, but maybe because in the non-Arabic speaking countries, um, the people need more guidance on how to do stuff like adkar. Maybe that's how the idea of doing adkar together came about. It's like we don't know how to do adhkar, so the imam does it and they follow. And then maybe that just stayed and stayed and stayed until now it's like a tradition. It could be. It's all sorts of, yeah, it could be that people just assume they was part of the, the prayer yeah. itself and then mm. one thing led to another kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's also it's almost bad, like it seems to be that it's almost bad to get up before they finish. Mm. Before they finish the adhkar. So they do the adhkar together so quickly, by the way. They do it so quick. And then he'll finish the adhkar. And then he'll say, Al-Fatiha. And then everyone recites Fatiha very quickly. And then you're allowed to get up. But before that, nobody will get up. Even though, of course, the adhkar and stuff, it's it's not obligatory. So it's interesting, really. <laughs> okay. Culture Clash 101. <laughs> we should do one every week. For <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Should we do one more, I think? One more. Yeah, if there is, curious. A little bit slow. Uh, oh, God. Are these people going to have a go at us? Some of these are just people having a go um, at me. <laughs> we, need, we need longer episodes and more uploads, please. May Allah reward your efforts. Uh, what other one do we have? We've got... Mm. Oh, here's one. Oh, I skipped quite a few. Uh, how do you overcome laziness? I have so many things that I want to achieve, and I know what steps to do. But some days I feel the motivation, and others I don't. Um, this goes back to what I sort of said earlier. Um, mm. I said about the tackling mindsets. Um, I've realised I've been on stop and start very often, in quite quick succession, and beating myself up about it because like oh I'm never going to get into a routine or you know have a long streak of doing good or feeling good or feeling like I'm achieving things um, mm -hmm. and I think yeah identifying initially what, what is doing that sort of questioning whether it's even is it even possible to to have such a long uh, streak of, of achievement if you know what I mean like People say someday he's saying, some days I feel the motivation mm. and others I don't. Is it possible to always feel motivated? I don't know. I, I'd, I'd argue, but maybe not. But that's always going to be a subjective thing. Like I know that I'm never always motivated. So, mm. what is it? Mm. My thing is that motivated or not, you will do what you mm. said you would do. You know, <laughs> tough luck. You. You know, be disciplined yeah. rather than motivated. I think that's what's important is 
identifying that. I think what I've started trying to do is identify things that I already do every day and then seeing, mm. like dissecting that behavior and why, what is it that leads me to do that every day? And one of the things is getting up and going to work. Mm. Like I do that every day. So what is it mm. that gets me out of bed in the morning mm -hmm. for that? What what kind of what mm. is the behavior that leads to that, and how can I dissect that and take that and apply that to other things? Mm. You know, that's what I said in previous episodes. Is that the the closest you could get to guaranteeing you'll do something is mm. accountability? Yeah. You know, so that you have somebody waiting for you at work. If you don't go, they're yeah. calling you, aren't they? Yeah. So you're yeah. going, isn't it? Um, same, imagine you go to the masjid and people know you at the masjid and then you're not there. If you miss one, two, three salah, they're going to start asking, yeah. where is this guy? Yeah, it's good to have a peer group that can do that. And even if it's quite harsh, it's it's going to get you to where you need to go, isn't it? I think that's why people obviously yeah. get teachers. And one of the main you know, successes is having a teacher that teaches yeah. you Quran or whatever. Is that, there is that level of accountability because people yeah. can say, yeah, I will learn on my yeah. own. and never really pans out amazingly <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah uh yeah i think like i said we've we've addressed some of that earlier mm. uh, so the question is how do you stay motivated no it? it's how do you overcome laziness um, oh i was going to share the the dua of the prophet uh, yeah that's, i think many people know go for it because that's one of the main uh, i've got it up here actually if you want me to do it اللهم إني أعوذ بك من الهم والحزن والعجز والكسل والبخل والجبن. So the kessel is there, which is laziness. Mm. Um, morning and evening so, are the kind of the, part of that, aren't they? So in the morning and the evening. I the think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, yeah. So this one, for example, this is the more, one of the morning ones. أصبحنا وأصبح الملك لله والحمد لله لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك له الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير. ربي أسألك خير ما في هذا اليوم وخير ما بعده وأعوذ بك من شر هذا اليوم وشر ما بعده. ربي أعوذ بك من الكسل وسوء الكبر. ربي أعوذ بك من عذاب في النار وعذاب عذاب في القبر. So mm. morning and evening and are very important for this sort of thing, mm. and also identifying the 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 key things that are happening that you're doing that are affecting your energy levels. Like I know for a fact yeah, that yeah. I, because my sh my shifts are very all over the place, mm. I will work till maybe two or three in the morning on one day, and then I'll have my days off, and then I have to get up for work at five when I first mm. start again but I'm so used to staying up that I stay up the night before and then suddenly I only have five hours sleep or four hours sleep or whatever mm. um, that definitely affects my mood for the rest of the yeah, day yeah definitely um, now, I've, I've got the same thing because I, I don't think I've slept well for years to be honest mm. which is very bad um, but um, but yeah when I wake up you know let's say I slept late and I, I've tried I force myself to wake up um, at the same time regardless of when I went to sleep even though, of course, it's up to me when I wake up. Mm. Um, and sometimes just my head is mashed, but I just force myself. I try and force myself. But I think mm. it's good. Like, So with you, for example, going to work, you're, go you're going to work. No doubt there are days you don't want to go to work, right? But you go anyway. You're training yourself to be disciplined, where it's like, I don't want to do it, but I will do it anyway. Mm. And I think, you know, having that structure, or at least so at least you have that in one part of your life, 
inshallah will allow you to extend that discipline to other parts of your life mm. and of course the more you can have structure so imagine you had work uh, which is holding you accountable you had a quran teacher you had a personal trainer for the gym yeah let's say you had these three yeah now in so many parts of your life you're you're being held accountable i think it's inevitable that you'd become more of a disciplined person because you're constantly forcing yourself to do things you don't feel like doing yeah but i don't think we could give a master class on how to be motivated in this format but um i basically my short thing is don't be motivated who cares be be disciplined so mm, for real for real for real discipline is key bro that's why they call them disciples it's the same root word mm. i don't mm. know i think so <laughs> oh subhanallah um right okay how long have we been recording for today oh an hour and a half Gosh, my mm. nice listeners, you're getting treated today, and it's all my fault. <laughs> Let me quickly address these these final questions, actually, because okay. they're things I have to hold my hands up to. So we need longer episodes and more uploads, please. May Allah reward your efforts. So one of the key issues that we have in terms of longer episodes is that because of different time zones, our prayers are at different times. That's one thing, isn't it? So mm. like... You know, it might be it might be coming up to Dhuhr Asr or whatever for you, and you need to go and pray whilst it is still isn't time for us. So it isn't Dhuhr yet for me, but what time is mm. it for you? It's is it is it Asr for you or? Yeah, it's Asr very soon. Okay, so there's that. Um, I've also like we're both we're both parents now, man, and it's not easy. Like I have to shut the door and lock my son away, who's desperate for my attention, and he'll be bang. And you, I'm sure you guys have heard him in the background of episodes banging and and need some help and wants my attention and blah 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 and you just feel guilty and I have to pick between my pious listeners and my son and I, it's not a very easy decision to make so I'll cut mm-hmm. the episode I'll be like okay I'm going <laughs> um, yeah. and in terms of timetables and stuff a lot of the time we don't record on a schedule is mainly because of me because although I mean can timetable himself well I struggle to um, but I have been better I think more recent you know the past six months than I have before um, I have had a bit of a lapse li- lately, but I'm trying to get back on it again. Even today, like Saturday, and by stroke of luck, I wasn't at work, uh, even though I was meant to be. And then I mean, you messaged me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, about that. Let's record." <laughs> so, um, no, but my house does mean a lot to me, and I need to get on doing more and trying mm. to get on top of it. And this is one of the things we we're talking about about you know setting good habits and being productive and achieving things hmm. um you know bro you know the length of the episodes i sometimes feel like one hour or maximum one hour and a half that's good like i feel like um how do what's the thing uh you know like be mean keep them keen yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or like you know like if you withhold a little just a little bit People want the next episode. Whereas yeah. imagine every episode was three hours. They might not be so interested to listen to the next one. Yeah, exactly. I think having a bit too much sort of um, too much of us can, can spoil the, the meal. Yeah. You know? I can't imagine what, you know, like those Joe Rogan listeners, like doesn't he upload like three hours episode every day or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. I mean, I can see there's people that would have that sort of lifestyle that can accommodate that. I remember when I used to have my old job, I used to have you know eight hours to listen to podcasts mm. um mad yeah but i don't have that luxury anymore so i've yeah. you know I've, i i although i've subscribed to a lot of podcasts i barely ever listen to any these days mm. because just not having any time yeah. alone to do so 
Yeah. Um, and I think we would hope that you're able to and you do listen to every single episode, you know. And inshallah, it's very manageable to listen to like one hour or an hour and a half a week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think we'll leave the, the rest for another day, inshallah. inshallah. Glad to have covered those. Jazakumullah khairan for all the um, comments or questions. Um, remember, we're not like experts. I mean, I'm sure we have certain skills or certain area, in certain areas of our life. Maybe we feel we could contribute. But sometimes... Uh, just the fact that we have a podcast doesn't mean we're, um, you know, high performers in every part of our life, isn't yeah. it? Um, so just keep that in mind, inshallah. And um, uh, thanks for listening, to be honest. Thank you. And uh, I would hope that uh, this this relationship of you listening to us, it's beneficial in all ways. So meaning when we say something good, you praise us. And when we say something wrong, you hold us to account. And that way it will be beneficial for everyone. And if you want to donate anything to the Mind Heist um, team, I mean, <laughs> then please just make dua for us, and that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> yeah, so in order to uh, give us comments, questions, corrections, go to mindheistpodcast.com. In order to get our address to send all the gifts, <laughs> then email us. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, bro, and thanks everyone for listening. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa tuwilaik. Salam alaikum wa rahmatullah.